Welcome to another episode of the Current and Cast podcast. This isn't the same old political or review podcast. Instead, this podcast is about current events, sports, technology, life, and yes, whiskey. So pour yourself a good drink, or if you're driving or working, imagine yourself doing so. And join me, Chad Ac and Matt Martin for this week's Current and Cast. Matt, how's yes. it going today? Oh, it's going great. Yeah? Yeah, I'm excited. You're excited. Why are you excited? I'm excited about what we're drinking tonight, Chad. Oh, because it's a little peaty. Yes. Not and only you're that, a fan. Every, you're, you're I'll a tell fan you, I, of a, a little peaty. I, what I what I can like just smelling it. I feel the budgets of government going down. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, we've got something a little special <laughs> that uh, that we're drinking this evening. For those who are new to the podcast. Here's what we like to do. We like to talk about all the current events of the day, a little bit of uh, politics sometimes, lots of sports and technology, just kind of life. And, oh, yeah, while we're doing all that, we like to drink whiskey, too. And at the very end of the podcast, we review what we've been drinking. And, Matt, tell everybody what we're drinking today. We are going to drink some Lagavulin. Now, if if you know me, uh, so I'll tell a little story about Lagavulin. Uh, when I when I was in college, uh, well, kinda. It was uh, no, uh, I was in uh, Austin, so this was the first time I'd had a peaty whiskey. That's I had a guy way after college. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to put everything in order in my head. Chad, give me a minute. <laughs> when I lived in Austin, that was that was way after college for but you. But it was it was the beginning of Austin. <laughs> anyway, when I was in Austin, um, you know, I worked and and there was a bar there, and the bartender was from, um, I want to say, like, Ukraine or Russia, one of those two. Okay. So he had a very thick accent, and one day he wanted me to come try some of the scotch they had back there. And I'm I'm like, you know, I was just kind of starting in on some bourbons and some of the sweeter whiskeys, and he pours me a Lagavulin 16. Never even heard of it at the time. And I tried it. I had never thought that uh, that flavor could be put into a glass. It was like you took everything that I loved about going to uh, the mountains and having a campfire and sitting around it and the the smoke and the fire and all that stuff put into a glass that you could drink out of. It was fantastic. Oh, sounds nice. that was not the... uh, that was not exactly what he wanted to see. You know, he wanted me to go, Ugh. but from then on, I've always uh, enjoyed Lagavulin. Um, I've, I've had the 16 since then a couple times, and I have a bottle of it now, of course, uh, now that I'm older and can afford those kind of things. And it is, um, it's not quite what I remember. It's got a little more sweetness to it and some other things. I don't know if my palate's gotten better. And I can taste some of those undertones or if uh, they've just changed it over time and they don't quite have the same uh, kind of blend of flavors they used to. Because, I mean, you're talking about every year it, it, it could be different, right? Yeah. So, um, anyway, th- this is not the 16. This is the Offerman edition. Now, the mm. Nick Offerman edition. It's charred oak cask, and it's instead of being the 16-year-old, it's only 11 years old. Now, I'm going to read. Now, this is not 
what I get out of this. So I want to put that out there first. Okay. But I'm going to read what this guy says about it just because it's funny to me. Okay. Uh, this is All a right. this is a review from the internet. Nose heavily peaty, salt brine, iodine, burnt plastic, sour mash, and black pepper. Huh. Does that smell? Does that sound like it smells good? Uh, it doesn't sound no. like no, no. It, but it does smell good. Um, it smells like a campfire with a little bit of salt and pepper and bacon. It's like this, you know, cooking bacon on a campfire. That's what it smells like. I'll give you a little hint there of what could be coming later. Anyway, the taste, what they say, some plastic, wet wool, briny brisket ends, port wine, and a lot of oak. Does that sound good, Chad? This this person is not making it sound appealing at all. <laughs> no, they're not. They gave it a four out of ten and essentially wow. said it was nasty. Um, if you don't like Petey Whiskeys, that's fine. Don't review them. Okay? Yeah. And I, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, because there's a lot of people out there that want something sweet. Right. And and I like bourbons. You know I love bourbons. I like a good American uh, malt or even uh, a sweet scotch or um, a good Irish whiskey. But there's this place called the Island of Islay out in Scotland that if you're going to get a peated scotch or a peated malt at all, that's where you need to get it from. And that's where Lagavulin is. I it's, can't wait. It is not. I can't like, wait. Well, chat, it, it's not sweet at all. I mean, it's certain ones, like I got the distiller's edition uh, and it was very sweet because they finished it in PX casks. Yeah. But most of the time when you get one from from LA, you're looking for smoke. You're looking for a briny, almost salty flavor. It's it's very, it's not sweet. It's very savory. And if that's not what you're looking for, then Lagavulin or anything peaty is not what you're looking for. So don't review it. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right on there. You that. go, I think a little soapbox right for you. All right, so uh, there you go, the uh, Lagavulin Offerman Edition, uh, the eleven eleven year, 11 year uh, charred oak cask, uh, yeah. and uh, and of course, if if you're familiar with Parks and Rec, uh, just familiar with Nick Offerman, the actor, uh, you know he is absolutely a fan of Lagavulin yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, it comes up in Parks and Rec quite a bit, act, uh, abs- uh, actually, and so it's he's he himself as a real person uh, is to, he's he's a big fan of Lagavulin. So and they invited uh, him to come and uh, and do a, a little. Uh, he, I think he chose how it was supposed to work. Like he actually went yeah. and and did some of the work on that. Yeah, he's uh, done three collaborations uh, really with Lagavulin. So that's that's not bad. That's not bad. Not bad at all. So we'll, we'll so, get into that uh, as the as the uh, podcast uh, progresses today. How was your week overall? It was good. Yeah? It, it was a good week. Uh, worked a lot. Um, got called in early a lot just to, because there were a lot of things to do, uh, you know, getting close to Christmas time and all that. All right. You know, uh, we've, and then just the, uh, we've had a lot of allocations come in and right. it's really nice seeing those. Um, just, uh, one that everybody's looking for that we, um, 
it actually hasn't been put out yet. You didn't hear this, but but one that we received, we got one case of it was, it was the um, sweet wheat by, uh, is it seven seventeen ninety two? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and apparently everybody's looking for that. I've heard a few things about it, but other than that, I, I don't know anything about it. So uh, if I'm able to get some, then maybe I'll either put a review on Twitter or uh, try to get some to you or something. We can do it on the channel. If I can't, which is more than likely, because when they start putting stuff like that out, they don't like me to take one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but if I can't get one, then we've got plenty of other things that we can review. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot uh, that we can do. And, uh, yeah, tis the season for uh, for good whiskeys being put out there. And uh, like you said, I've seen a lot of the allocated events going on and everything else. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And have they started playing the Christmas music yet in the store? No. Thank goodness. Uh, they, That's a shame. They won't be playing the Christmas music, Chad. Uh, I mean, until after Thanksgiving. That's the one. That's the one caveat. Like they play it twenty four seven after, and the the owner actually checks up his history on because they use what is it um, the, the satellite? Uh, yeah, uh, Sirius. Yeah. He actually checks to make sure that everybody's keeping it on Christmas because tis the season, and God forbid you get tired of the season. Let me tell you something, and uh, <laughs> I'm not afraid to say this, okay? Oh, Chad, you're going to tell me you've already I, had it on. I was uh, channel surfing the other night on my uh, on my drive home. I was uh, checking to see oh, what, uh, uh, what, what, what channels are going on. Every now and then they like to sneak a new channel. On there, and oh, that's uh, the Holly Channel already up and running, and, and so was the Hallmark Christmas uh, Channel. And uh, I may, I may have already heard a little bit of Christmas music uh, as I was uh, driving home. It's too early, Chad. It's too soon. It's not too, too early, man. Too soon. No, it's too not soon. too early. No, too it's, soon. It's uh, tis the season. It's we, we got people with Christmas lights on. Already, we've got. I haven't seen uh, any Christmas the, lights. The stores decorating. Everyone's in who, the mood for who has Christmas, Christmas lights. Gear. You are you the only huh? one in town with Christmas lights? Oh no, 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 no. We uh, we uh, no, no. There's lots of homes out there already with the lights on. Uh, let me tell you something, Chad. And I think I think it's here's why I think it, it, it's like this because a lot of people are uh, having their Christmas lights uh, put on professionally now. Right, right. And they got to start early. The, well, it starts early. It's like right after Halloween, uh, you get your, you know, you pay to have your Christmas lights put on. And I, I think there are a lot of people out there who are like, if I'm going to pay money <laughs> to have my Christmas lights installed, I'm going to get, I'm going to get as much out of this as I can. Oh. And, uh, and, and they're going to be on every single night uh, from the moment they're up on the roof until the very end. They're going to be on every single night. I just, I don't get it, Chad. I really don't. Um, even if you're paying for it, well, number one, why would you pay someone for that? That just, that, that doesn't make any sense. Well, a lot of people don't no. like to uh, get up on their roofs or, you know, whatever well, it may be. Don't put them up there. I mean, this doesn't seem like a, a difficult decision. Okay, well, I'm just not going to have lights tonight. Well, that's because they, they still want the, the lights up. 
That sounds like a waste of money to me. No, no. They they have the Christmas cheer. See, you don't like Christmas. That that's what it comes down to. No, I love Christmas. uh, Is that uh, you know with 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 all the uh, with all the stuff you don't like all the Christmas stuff. I like Christmas as a season. Uh I I do think it's way way over uh, done as far uh-huh. as a holiday is concerned, and we have lost all perspective on what Christmas really is. Well, sure. Uh, I mean, if uh, yes, on, on, on one hand, yes, but I think, look, it, uh, it makes a lot of people happy, so why not? I'm but, fine with it. I'm good with it. All right, as long as Mariah Carey doesn't come on, we're good. Uh, let me tell you something. Mariah Carey's already been on. Hmm. The moment Halloween came, it was uh, she was busting down... The uh, the the internet trying oh. to get her music out Mariah, there. Everybody, Mariah Carey fits right there at Halloween. You you will love Mariah with Carey. all the surgeries. You'll give in to Mariah Carey with all the surgery she had. She fits right there beside. I don't know if she's had any surgery or not. Oh, come on, Chad. I don't know. I I have no. I don't even know what you're talking about. Really? She's an American treasure. How dare you? Hmm. Now, How I'm, dare you, sir? I'm looking up her uh, picture right now. Uh, you got to be careful doing that, my friend. 2023. I know it might scare me. She's 54 <laughs> she, years old. Mean? 54 How years old, old. She's 54. Okay. She looks great. Yeah, but I mean, well, I don't know, man. She's had a lot She's of surgery. She's all that Christmas music. So, something money something doesn't in. look right. Mariah wow. Carey announces 2023 Christmas tour. Yeah. Oh look, she's of coming course. to she's coming to Lubbock. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, she's not. No, nah, she's already here. She's got her Christmas music out. She's uh, everywhere. Uh, well, that's uh, that's terrible. Uh it makes me so happy that you work in a place that's going to play Christmas music 24 seven. Mm. I just, I, 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 I wish I had a live feed into the store. As I bang so my I head against the wall. I mean, is that what oh, you want to yeah. see? Do they, so let me ask you this. Do they allow the employees to wear, uh, like, uh, to wear headphones or like the, uh, you know, uh, the little earbuds? Kind of like they don't really want you to, but we have people that do and they don't exactly go around firing them as long as they're listening. Like they can hear what, when people come up to them. Yeah. I hate that by the way. I do too. I hate, I I'm, absolutely, I cannot stand it when I see somebody who's an employee and maybe this makes me old. It's very possible. But I cannot stand it when I'm going and checking out somewhere or if I've got a question and I see somebody with uh, ear pods on, they're not paying attention and they're just listening to music. It's like, no, you're on the job. What are you doing? Yeah. No, if you're look, on the job, I, you don't need to be listening to music or whatever. You will not see me wearing them. I'll put it that way. Say so you're a good employee. Well, I just, it drives me crazy. We have a, a couple in our store that will put them in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if, uh, a manager's there, they might get away with it. If the owner's there, they, you know, they pull them out Yeah. because it's a small business and the owner has a little more pool than the managers. 
and he's right. he's a little more old school. But the managers, they just kind of let people get away with stuff. I mean, not yeah. that they're not that they're pushovers or anything, but you know, it's like eh, it's not their business. They're, they're young, whatever, and you know, as long as they're doing their job, kind of thing. Not the owner. The owner wants everything exactly like he likes it. Of course, yeah, that's how I'd be if, if I if I had a business. There would be a, a huge rule. John, I don't want to see. I don't want to see uh, earbuds. Yeah, can't. Yeah, I don't want to see them. Don't uh, don't even bring them up here. Well, I'll tell you what the biggest problem is, and, and I know that Lubbock has the same problem, but Nashville has it even worse to some extent. The quality of the employees that actually Ugh. are willing to work. Exactly. I mean, you hire somebody, and you don't know what you're going to get first off. And you're hiring them at like $15 an hour starting pay. Right. And then, you know, after a few months, you end up with some guy who sits on his phone the whole time and the customers are having to like bang bottles on the counter to get them to check them out. Yeah. I mean, that's just the generation we live in, I guess. But I mean, come on, you're working for somebody and they're paying you way, way more than they should have to. Oh no! Because the, the uh, customer service has, uh, by and large, not everywhere, but in a lot of places, customer service has just plunged uh, since since COVID. Since after COVID, customer service, whether you're going to a restaurant, uh, wherever you're going, almost wherever you're going, it just doesn't matter anymore. Because uh, if if you get a great waiter or waitress, that's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's rare these days. And, and then everyone expects, we'll get to a tipping story a little bit later, but everyone expects the 20%, 25% tip, even if they're, if they, if they're wearing their ear pods or earbuds and uh, playing on their phone half the time, they, they expect a huge tip. Yeah, uh, that even might if they're be just handing the you a coffee and saying goodbye, uh, it's just, it, it's, well, that's, it's, that's the it's biggest just problem. horrible. The biggest problem with tipping overall is the fact that uh, Starbucks created uh, this where you know, put your thing out there and, ooh, look, you just press a button and tip. I mean, you go to five guys. I don't want to tip at five guys. Yeah, but it's I also, everywhere. It's I everywhere. don't want them to spit in my food either. Right. I mean, anyway. We'll jump to it. We'll go ahead and jump yeah. to this one. Okay, uh, we can talk uh, about it. Do you tip at a, so here you go. This is the CNN story. Do you tip at a restaurant like Chipotle? Uh, here's what a survey found. Uh, how much should you tip? It's one of uh, life's great mysteries. The majority of Americans say they tip 15% or less for a typical meal at a sit-down restaurant. Uh, according to a wide-ranging new poll on tipping attitudes from Pew Research Center, uh, they uh, surveyed nearly 12,000 people. 57% of U.S. adults surveyed told Pew that they uh, tip 15% or less for an average sit-down meal, 22%. So they leave about a 20% tip. Tip amounts vary by income, age, and other factors, which anyone who's worked in the service industry probably already knows that. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Young adults slightly more likely to tip more generously than older adults, really. Huh. Who tend to be a little more, more stingy with their tips. That that could be for another reason, Matt. Could be. It's because they the older adults more. want better service. Yeah, they expect a lot more. Yeah. The, the the older adults like you you and I uh, and people our age we we may expect a little bit different uh, type service than let's say uh, an eighteen year old does 
And then our parents, they expect probably even better service yeah. than what we expect. Exactly. Uh, whether Americans are tipping more frequently, if not more generously, is difficult to say. Uh, there's no official data on how many businesses rely on tips to compensate for their workers or what share of workers are regularly tipped. So uh, here's one deal. I, I saw the other night, uh, We, my wife and I went to a, uh, just a little diner, okay? Just a little diner. Went to a diner, and they had a, uh, when, when you checked out, you know, you went up to the, the counter to check out. Mm-hmm. They actually had, like, a separate tip jar for the person checking you out. No. Like, what am I supposed to tip you for? Because you ran my card? I'm supposed to tip you? Like they they actually had that. They had the checkout girl, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, tip, tip jar. jar. Yes. And I'm like, what? Why? Why? Why am I supposed to tip you? I mean, it all boils down to the fact that the restaurants don't want to have to pay fifteen dollars an hour and are hoping that you will help them pay that to keep their well, people there. If if you're not on the floor, you know, like if your job that night is to be you know, the, the checkout girl, the checkout person. Um, I remember just going back to my days in the restaurant. If, and this is when we first went to, I mean, this is a long time ago. Uh, when we, when, uh, when I worked at a, uh, a Chili's, when they switched to, uh, having takeout, they had, when they first built the little takeout areas, mm-hmm. if your job was takeout person, where your job was to sit behind, the little computer and boop, scan in people when they came, you were converted over to a higher hourly wage. Right. Then if you were a waiter, if you were a waiter, you went back to the two fifteen an hour, then you made tips. Which makes sense. Right. And so that's what should have, that's what, and I think that's what should happen at most of these places. And I bet it does, but now they have like a little tip jar there for the checkout person. I went, no, nah, I don't think so. No, 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 no. No, thank you. Come on, Chad. Hook them no, up. I'm no. not going to tip okay. someone so, out. I'm not going to tip someone for going, bloop, here's, here's your card. Thank you. Here's the deal. In the state of Texas, waiters get 213 an hour. And if you're not tipping, I mean, I would say my lowest is 20%, but if you're not tipping at least 15 then that's a problem. And I know that they might have really bad service. Trust me, do I know. But still... <laughs> I mean, they're they're making nothing, so that's yeah. that you know that's the thing that I you know I I want people to remember. Um, the only money that they make is your tip. The two thirteen an okay. hour. Honestly, every time that I appropriately, in fact, I always appropriately put in my tips. That's just something uh, because you have to get, um, you know, taxed from it. My two thirteen an hour went to taxes a hundred percent every single time. I got a oh, sure. I got a zero paycheck every single time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, according to uh, let's see uh, the CNN story, tipping amounts have grown over time. According to a nineteen twenty two edition of the Emily Post etiquette book, the rule was ten percent for a meal at a first class hotel with a twenty five cent minimum. Uh, but the latter was part of the 20th century. A typical restaurant tip was 15%. Tipping 15 to 20% at restaurants became standard 
because of a cycle of competition among customers, etiquette researchers say, many people tip to gain social approval uh, or with the expectation of better service. As tip levels increase, the customer starts tipping more to avoid any losses in the uh, status or risk for service. Few people know what to do, according to uh, the new tipping landscape, where the option to tip now suggested on touchscreens at coffee shops, fast casual restaurant chains, and other new businesses has made it even harder. 72% of people told Pew that tipping is expected in more places today than it was five years ago. I would say that's true. Yeah, I think so. Only about a third said it was extremely or very easy to know uh, whether or how much to tip for different types of service. American tipping behaviors also vary by business. More than 90% of people say they always or often leave a tip at sit-down restaurants. 78% say when getting a haircut. 76% for food delivery. 61% say for taxi or ride share. Relatively few Americans always or often tip when getting a coffee. Uh, 25% say when eating at a fast casual restaurant such as Chipotle. I would still say you're always in, um, if, if you're going to sit down and eat and you have a waiter, 20% is really a good a good gauge for that. All this other stuff, though, uh, I, I think that that's part of the confusion. I would say I'm not sure you have to tip at any of those other ones. Uh, let's see. So, uh, so getting a haircut, you're not sure? Well, I always did as a haircut, but I'm talking about other restaurants. Like you go oh, and okay. like fast like, food restaurants and things like that. Like at a McDonald's. Because <laughs> you know the day's coming where the McDonald's girl's going to uh, swing the little strain around at you and go, would you like to leave a tip? I don't you know. You know that day's coming. I, well, here's the deal. They, they would rather just get rid of employees altogether. Yeah. Uh, no, the, 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 the fast casual, like you said, five guys. No, oh, you're not leaving a tip at five guys. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. People do. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think so. And even like now, let's say you order a pizza and you're going to go and pick up the pizza. They want to know if you want to leave a tip for uh, picking up your own pizza. It's like, no. Picking up your own pizza? Yes. They want you to tip for picking up your own pizza now. Yeah, no. Like, not no, for, I don't not know. for picking no, up my own. No. I uh, I went today and I picked up some uh, some cupcakes. All right. Yeah. Checking out. I'm checking out. And it's like, would you like to leave a tip? For what? They literally put it in a box. That's all they did was put it in a box. They got a little notice. They put it in a box. You're so stingy, Chad. I'm just, stop asking me for a tip everywhere I go. Which, by the way, if you'd like to leave us a tip for this wonderful podcast, <laughs> you can do so. Uh, take it to the just, station. Uh, just uh, just get in touch with me, and I'll let you know our Venmo, and uh, you can leave us a tip at any time. Uh, let's see, another, another story that's out there, Matt. The uh, Americans don't want to fight for their country anymore. Uh, of course, this podcast will be dropped on Veterans Day. Oh, yeah. So I uh, I saw I thought this was kind of interesting. A uh, story out of Newsweek. A majority of American adults would not be willing to serve their military if the U.S. were to enter a major war. Recent polling has found, while public confidence in the armed forces appears to be waning. 
Uh, the figure comes as all branches of the armed forces in recent years have struggled to meet their recruitment targets, suggesting a growing apathy towards a career in the military service. In 2023, the Army and Air Force both fell short of their respective goals by around 10,000 recruits. That's not good. No. The Navy was under by about 6,000. Since 1987, the number of active duty personnel have has fallen by 39%. Experts say that such shortfalls are worrisome in an increasingly volatile global picture with American leadership unsure when the next uh, win it'll have to bring its full military force to bear. Well, we have strike groups, aircraft carriers with a Marine Exonary Unit outside Israel now. Justin Henderson, former transport operator for the U.S. Marine turned military recruiter told Newsweek, we're funding two wars. We're actually boots on the ground, drones above Gaza, so we're ready to be involved there. We're not sure what's happening in Taiwan. It's a very tumultuous time for us because we don't know what's going to happen. Now, it goes on, and it talks about how uh, a, a poll by the Research Institute Echelon Insights of 1,029 voters conducted October 23rd to the 26th found that 72% of those uh, the 72% of those asked would not be willing to volunteer to serve in the armed forces if America were to enter a major conflict, compared to 21% who would. That's crazy. Rem- yeah, the remainder were unsure. Uh, the poll conducted after Hamas led an unprecedented military attack on Israel on October 7th. That, that's, a, that's, that's a big number, 72% said they would not volunteer to serve in the armed forces. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's a, does that surprise you? I mean, I, uh, what age group did they did they ask? Uh, I, I don't guess it surprises see. me, because uh, first uh, off... At the you're start not... of October, uh, a survey of 1,000 voters conducted by JL Partners for the Daily Mail found that if uh, the overall majority of Americans said they would die fighting for their country... Uh, if the U.S. were invaded, when broken down by age, the sentiment was lowest among those who were 18 to 29. Which are the uh, ones Gallup that are, all found yeah. in June, confidence in the military declined for a sixth consecutive year to 60%. Uh, let's see. Uh, young adults in the military's prime target for new recruits, currently Gen Z, those born after 1997, argued that uh, growing up in the Internet age had made them used to immediate gratification. So I guess the uh, military is just not good enough. Or I don't know. I, I think it's a combination of things. One, I think you have a, a lot of the woke indoctrination that's gone on uh, in the military that yeah. has turned away even those who are in the military. Yeah, that would be tough to deal with. I mean, you're literally, you're going to be working with transgenders. Yeah, I, well, I mean, there's you, you have so much of the military that's been focused on the, the, the woke uh, part of all of this, I think that has turned some people off. Uh, but I also think that, yeah, there is this attitude among younger people that they they don't care as much for this country. It's not there's not as much patriotism uh, for this country as as there was. I mean, you remember after nine eleven, where you had a whole bunch of people who ran and they signed up for the military. God bless them. Uh, you know, after we were attacked. I don't know if you would have that again. If, if God forbid, the U.S. was attacked again, uh, would you have this rush to to the to the military? I don't know if you would. I mean, if it was on American soil, it might be different. I don't know. 
I mean, that, that's what I would kind of wonder, you know, if, uh, if we were actually hit uh, kind of like 9-11 and there was an actual enemy. But uh, right now what they're seeing is America jumping into other conflicts and we've taught kids that we're the bad guys. And right. with all of that, then, I mean, I mean, look at these people who are looking at Hamas and saying they're the good guys, that they're doing what they should to try to get their land back. And I mean, they're saying all this about terrorists. Yeah. I, I mean, that's insane. You're talking about a, a group of people who didn't even have developed water or toilet systems. And Israel came and gave them all that through their own systems. And all yeah. of a sudden we're screaming because Israel's turning off the water. Well, it's and, and I brought this up on my on my radio show that you can't and, and I think you and I have talked about this before when you and I were doing uh, the radio show, uh, which was you can't win a politically correct war. No. You just can't. It's impossible. And what Israel what Israel's trying to do now is win a politically incorrect war. I mean and, and you see how long it took for the national and worldwide news media to turn against Israel, took less than a month. Right. It took less than a month of Israel going, this is war now, and this is a real war. We're going to blow the crap out of you. And we're going to win. Like, and, and we're going to win, and we're going to drop bombs, as many bombs as possible. We're going to knock down buildings, and it's going to get ugly. And it took less than a month for the national news media, Democrats, uh, I mean, I, I will give Biden at least a little bit of credit. He held in there longer than I thought, but now even he's telling Israel, oh, you need to take pauses. You need to take four-hour pauses every single day to allow people to get out. They had time to get out. They had plenty of time. They, I, and, and I understand the, the, the okay, what about the hostages? What about, I, I get that. I, I absolutely understand. What do you mean, what about the hostages? They're treating the hostages like crap. They're, what are they going to well, do with the hostages? No, what I'm saying is I understand the, hey, shouldn't we, should, should we pause to negotiate? Should we pause to try to get the hostages out? I understand that sentiment among the average person out there. And if you had a fam, if you have a family member who is a hostage, you're probably very worried uh, about you know about their safety and everything else. The fact is, you're dealing with terrorists who are probably going to kill if they haven't already many of these hostages. Right. Uh, and and they're using human shields. They're using women and children as human shields. They 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 have their military bases under hospitals. The Hamas doesn't care. Hamas is going to kill as many people as possible. And, uh, you know, again, it comes back to this. We don't negotiate with terrorists. The U.S. has said that for a very long time, that we don't negotiate with terrorists. We do. But we like to say that we don't negotiate with terrorists. Well, this is Israel saying, guess what? We don't negotiate. You, you, want, uh, you want to give up the hostages? Okay, great. Thank you. But we're also going to bomb the crap out of you until uh, we're done with you. Yeah. And, 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 and you have... Uh, now, so, you know, you, you have all these people around the world uh, who are just, they, they can't believe that this isn't a politically correct war. They can't believe that, you know, uh, Israel's doing the way that what, what, what they're doing and killing so many innocent people. Guess what? Innocent people had time to leave. They did. And Hamas told them to stay. They had a chance to leave. And a lot of people had chances to leave and get out. 
and well, Hamas they didn't do needed it. them to be shields, and and they literally let themselves become shields. And what's yeah. even worse is when you look in the um, in the Arab world overall, Egypt, uh, Turkey, and some of these other Arab countries that these uh, refugees could go into, none of them are willing to take these people that they're saying are so important and that they yeah. love and that they they're backing. But none of them will let them go across their border. No, 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 no they're, they're not. So, uh, again, it's uh, this is this is but this is what war is. And I think so many of the American people have forgotten uh, that you know, if if you had World War Two uh, break out and, and let's say everyone had camera phones and uh, the technology that we do now, World War Two was ugly. It was there. There were a lot of veterans who refused to, to talk about what they saw when they went overseas. There's a reason for that. It's because war is is ugly. It's not a video game. It's not a thing. It's not a TV show. It's not a movie that gets wrapped up in a couple of hours. And it's like, well, that, that was good. That was fun. Uh, we wrapped it up. Uh, we won. That's that's great. Look at those special that's, effects. Yeah, and that, that's not how it is. It It's horrible. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, and we're seeing that play out right now. But again, I've said for a long time that the United States can't win a politically correct war. No country can win a politically correct war because uh, it's, it is it, it it is something that if you're going to go politically correct, then, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to take pauses and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to uh, make sure that. Uh, uh, the world is still with you, and that you don't offend anybody, and that's almost impossible to do. Yeah, and you even can't. Hillary Clinton gets it. Did you see Hillary on the View? No. I oh my goodness, yeah, Hillary Clinton. Uh, she was asked about the uh, ceasefires and why she hasn't called for a ceasefire, and she basically now she said a lot of other stupid stuff, but well. she went into she went to say, look, you don't understand. Whenever Israel has called for a ceasefire in the past and have agreed to a ceasefire, all that does is allow Hamas to fire more rockets at Israel. Uh, Hamas has never honored a ceasefire. Hamas has never honored a a break in the action. They just regroup and fire more rockets on Israel. And this was from Hillary Clinton. I'm like, well, it's amazing that she gets it. That's how far crazy the Democrat Party is today is that Hillary Clinton and Bill Maher get it. The rest of the party basically don't. Yeah, well, when Bill Maher kind of switched on the woke, that that was enough. I mean, that, to me, tells you a whole lot. Because Bill Maher was a crazy left-wing wacko. And now he makes sense. Because yeah. he said, you know what? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, speaking of Democrats, Joe Manchin, he's not running for re-election. Uh, in fact, uh, some say that, that he, he may run for president. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't, I don't know what I think about that. You don't know? Mm, I don't know. I don't think he's going to run for president. I, I don't think he I, I don't think he, he could get away with it. What do you mean? I don't think he would have the financial backing, and you know as well as I. I mean, what is, he can't run as a Democrat. Uh, he would run as an independent. The No Labels Moderate Political Group. They've been exploring launching a third 
party presidential ticket next spring. And uh, they're, uh, as the Wall Street Journal puts it, their number one draft pick just signaled he might be available. Uh, Joe Manchin's decision not to seek re-election to the Senate next year has intensified questions about whether he might seek the presidency either as an independent uh, through the no-labels effort. So, in other words, he hasn't said anything personally. No. Yeah. No, I don't think. I don't. I don't think he'll run. I don't think he. Yeah. No. And if he does, uh, then I think he hurts. uh, I think he hurts Joe Biden more than anybody. Yeah, I I don't see a lot of Republicans just jumping off. I mean, there might be some never Trumpers that might jump over there and vote for uh, Joe Manchin. But for the most part, most Republicans aren't going to vote for Joe Manchin. I think people have to remember that Joe Manchin voted with Joe Biden's policies about 99% of the time. Well, yeah, he was uh, right in line with um, um, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, there were a few things that he voted against uh, Joe Biden on. Yeah. Uh, A few things that he was a maverick, if you want to say. But 99% of the time, he was right in lockstep with the Democrat Party. Yeah, I mean, uh, what is it, uh, Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, anything that they agreed on, he was with. Yeah, so I think people I think people forget about that. And, you know, they fall for the, well, well, yeah, but he opposed them on a few things. Yeah, one or two, and that's about it. Yeah, let them name them and they won't be able to. And and the reason why is because he's he's a Democrat for uh, from West Virginia, and he had to play a little bit of politics uh, to uh, you know to to stay alive there in West Virginia. You know, a little bit of politics at play there. Exactly. Uh, let's see one more uh, story before we get into uh, the Lagavulin, the Offerman uh, Lagavulin. Falling asleep is harder for Gen Z than millennials, but staying asleep. It's hard for both, Matt. Routinely having a good night's sleep is often challenging for many millennials and Gen Z, but not for the same reasons. The uh, mental health brand Calm released their snooze report. That sounds fun. Which analyzed sleep among different generations in the U.S. and U.K. Study found that millennials and Gen Zers both face sleep barriers, often impacted by caffeine and news consumption. Uh, quote, a lot of people just lump those uh, two groups together that uh, would not be the, you know, this would not be the case. They're only a few years apart. It's pretty crazy to see how rapidly just a few years can separate a sleep pattern. They say a major, major distinction that stood out to him was Gen Zers are not falling asleep nearly as fast as millennials. Falling asleep is difficult for 46% of Gen Z, just 25% of millennials. They said that technology use is a major reason why. The report found that Gen Z is 26 more, uh, 26% more likely to be kept up by prolonged technology use than millennials. That makes some uh, 20, sense. Yeah, 28% of millennials reported that prolonged technology use is rarely or never a problem when it comes to falling asleep. Gen Z using tech much more frequently right before they go to bed, so they're going to bed with their phone in their hand, and essentially they can't go to sleep. Yeah. That makes some sense. Um, uh, Gen Zers also tend to experience vivid dreams and remember their dreams more than millennials. Uh, they explain this means they're not entering as deep of a state of sleep as they should. Yeah. 
So there you go. Maybe they need um, they need a little alcohol in their system before they go to bed. <laughs> uh, report found that one in four millennials struggle to control their caffeine intake. 14% higher than, than Gen Zers. Gen Zers are 20% less likely to consume alcohol. Uh, caffeine and alcohol before bed worsen the chances of receiving a sound and healthy sleep. Uh, multiple actors uh, indicate why Gen Zers struggle getting a good sleep at night. A study found that 25% of Gen Z said having a good morning routine that would improve their sleep quality is difficult. Yeah. I uh, let's see. Gen Z is 57% more likely to have dreams involving death than millennials. Hmm. The younger generation also 76% more likely to have a dream that they were in a video game and 30% more likely to dream about social media interactions. So they play so, too many video games, is that what you're saying? I, I guess that, and they're going for likes in their sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How many likes uh, am I getting? Come on. Give me some hearts. More hearts while I sleep. That's something I do not dream about. Uh, uh, Gen Z typically uh, span 1997 to 2012, while millennials are usually considered to be born between 1981 and 1996. Mm -hmm. What are you, Chad? Screw that. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm I, a millennial. I'm I an old millennial. was born in the Gen, e in Gen X side of things. Yeah. By one I don't, by I, one year. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm a millennial. One year. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Matt, uh, what have we been drinking this evening? Oh, we've been drinking something fantastic. We yeah. have, we have been drinking the Lagavulin 11 year old Offerman edition charred oak cask. Mm. Now, I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. It does have a little brininess, and the, the reason why it does is because of the peat that's used from the Isle of Islay is a little different than other peats. It's on a small island, essentially, and there's the sea all around helps to bring in some of those salty notes. Um, it doesn't taste salty like, uh, like a steak or something. It just has a little slight hint of a brine. And then you've got that peat, which is kind of like a smoky flavor, it's a little different, but you've got a smokiness as well. I mean, you got kind of those two things married together. You also have just some um, almost minty kind of flavor. It, it, it's kind of a, like a menthol kind of just barely on the aftertaste kind of. Um, and then I would say that this would probably be closer to uh, like with the smell and almost the taste, it's more like a campfire, as I said earlier, with maybe bacon or something, uh, a good salty meat kind of sizzling on on the fire. Yeah. That's kind of what I think you would get. You get the that feeling, and it's just, uh, it's such... Uh, I, I drink Lagavulin, and uh, this is what I remember from you know 10 15 years ago when i tried it in austin is is that feeling and i don't get it as much anymore out of the 16 but out of the uh nick offerman edition 
I really think that it gives those nice, warm uh, campfire, uh, bacon sizzling, just those feelings of all of that working together. Yeah. I, you know, the, the one thing with this, and, and I am not a huge PD fan, um, I've gotten a little bit more into it, uh, thanks to you. I'm working on but, it. Yeah, I know, you are. Uh, but I, I'm not a huge PD fan. But one thing that surprised me about this, I really didn't think it had that much smoke. Like I, it, it, To me, it, it was not an overwhelming uh peaty flavor if you will uh it was definitely there but to me i i th- there were uh, there's been other long that were uh maybe uh maybe uh much more smoky yeah than, like the, than 12, this one. the 12 year special release was probably the most smoky the one with the um uh, it was the 2022 with the um what was it the bird on it the the phoenix yeah. That one yeah. probably had the most overwhelming smokiness, but it was also uh, foolproof. Yeah. But I, I, I agree to some extent. There are definitely more smoky ones out there. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I just, this one's a, a very, it, it's just a very flavorful, uh, rich, flavorful taste to it. Uh, and it, it's, it's one that if, you know, and again, I'm not sure if everyone, because everyone has a little bit of a, a different palate, uh, and, I, and I think especially when it comes to peatiness, everyone's probably in a different space. Like if you're somebody like you, although you enjoy this a lot, I do, um, and and that's what I'm that, that's what I'm kind of surprised at is that you enjoy this one so much because to me this is like not a not an in not an you know like a, a first timers uh peatiness but like it's not going to look, offend anyone look, you know what i mean chad if, like, you're, if you're gonna, new to if you're if you're new to lagavulin this is not going to offend you if you jump into the peat pit jump all the way in man <laughs> jump into lagavulin right? yeah i mean jump so if if this is something you're looking into you want to jump into lafroig is a great uh, starter as in uh, price wise, you're looking at about sixty five dollars for a Lafroig ten. It's a it's a great. I think that's more smoky than this one. It is, and, but it's got different types of smoke. Like this one to me is more peaty. That one is more smoky. But you get both out of that. But yeah. yes, the Lafroig is definitely, and it doesn't have any of the sweetness. Like this one does have a slight hint of sweetness, which I think kind of yeah. rounds yes. it out a little bit more. Whereas that one is is just a hundred percent on the um, um, savory scale, if you want to call it that. Um, so, but but it's a great, I think, starting point, the Lafroig 10 or the Ardbeg 10, either one. Um, but Lagavulin's going to cost a little more, but I think it's more rounded as far as a great peaty whiskey. I think um, once you start tasting the other notes, you're going to get a lot more depth out of a Lagavulin than you are those other ones. And that's just my opinion on that. You know what I think this would go really, really well with? What? Uh, uh, like a nice ribeye. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Don't you think? Uh-huh. You know, throwing, uh, you know, maybe you, you smoke a nice ribeye. You know me, I like to smoke a nice ribeye. 
and uh, you get the, you get the ribeye. You, you put that down on your plate. Basically, think of Ron Swanson. Uh, you, there you, you go. You get <laughs> you you get your ribeye. Bacon. You get a side of bacon. <laughs> and <laughs> give me all the bacon and, you have. Yeah. And then you get the log of Ulan Offerman edition, and you're good. And it's uh, t- to me, this is a very good uh, log of Ulan. And, and, and something else that I think surprises people: whenever you get these celebrity uh, endorsed uh, bottles, you never know. No, right? you don't. No, you never know. No. You never know if it's going to be good. Bet this is good. This is one. Yeah. That you don't have to be afraid of. Well, and I don't think that, you know, being a scotch, that they would let something bad go out. You know, if, if he chose something and he's like, oh, this is the one I want my name on. And they were like, uh, then go go take it somewhere else. <laughs> well, I'm... I don't think Long of Fooling would. Exactly. I, I think there are some who are more who would be more likely to go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do uh, let's do a collaboration. We're just going to put something out there. And see if it lands, and and there and there would be people who would buy it, yeah, because of just the name and everything else. Uh, but but I think you know because it's Lagavulin, because of the history of Lagavulin, and uh, you know you, you can feel good about this one, and uh, you know again this is uh, Offerman's third third go at a collaboration with Lagavulin. Uh, they're doing it right, and and so I applaud them for that because uh, this is a very to me, it's a very good, uh, uh, a very good bottle, and you know, it's what. What do you think? What What is the normal price point that you're seeing this at? Uh, normally, I see it right around eighty nine to a hundred dollars, so eighty nine ninety nine, so ninety a hundred dollars. I've I've seen it like online. I see it as low as seventy five, but your average is if you can find it, um, because it has been. It's been about a year since it's come out. Um. I've still seen it in some stores in Lubbock when I look online and whatnot, so I think that you're good there. I haven't seen it at all here in in Nashville. Um, really? No, I haven't. That being said, um, you're probably looking at eighty to ninety dollars for the bottle. Um, your, you know, the regular Lagavulin and fifteen is probably between a hundred and five and a hundred and fifteen right now. So it it's probably a little bit less because of that 11-year age statement on it. But in my opinion, I actually kind of like it more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're also going into a pretty good time of year where, you know, you get that it's maybe a little chill in the air, a little peatiness oh, yeah. that you, you want. I think it's going to be a good thing. A little smokiness just to warm you up a little bit inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to another episode of Current and Cask with Chad Eastie and Matt Martin. You can reach out to us on social media at Chad Eastie Radio and at Matt Martin Radio. You can also email us, caskerspod at gmail.com. And I invite you to also go and search out and download the Chad Eastie Show podcast. Enjoy life and cheers. <laughs>